And mm. then, yeah. Yes, and I don't know because the electricity said Akubuya Manch. I don't know why is it doing that. Okay, so we'll start now. Good morning, everyone. We've got the agenda before us. The purpose of the meeting. Recording get, in progress. Is, is, is to get briefing on socioeconomic impact assessment system by the policy and research service branch in the presidency abbreviation here corner babies see us something like that and then also to consider the previous uh, minutes uh, you are warmly welcome into this meeting the meeting is officially opened we'll now zoom to the next item which is roll call and apologies. Uh, Brakin, can you take us through this item? Thank you, Chairperson. Good morning, honorable members. Good morning, uh, colleagues, both from parliament and colleagues from the presidency. Uh, Ms. Pulane Kole, Amongst others, and uh, Mr. Mabuza, the PLO, and uh, the last time missed the last name. Chairperson, uh, in the in the meeting, we've got the you. We also have him, Honorable Matulela, Honorable Nkosul Tuli, Honorable Jacobs, Honorable Tivias, Honorable April, Honorable Kromelan, Honorable Mieni and Honorable Lubengo. Then the apologies that I've received, Chair. Firstly, it is the apology from my Honorable Kruger, who indicated that she is still in Australia. <coughs> Excuse me. So they are about six hours ahead of us. So he tried to join the meeting, but he's having is with the family. I uh, so received an apology from uh, Honorable Hendricks. Then also I uh, received an uh, apology from Honorable uh, Zumula, who indicated that by the time we start the meeting, he, he will be in a, in a flight. So those are the uh, the apologies. The one, but it's uh, Honorable Tenjan, who is still uh, struggling with the network to join. Then on the side of the, of the department, I've also received an apology for the minister who is attending the local government summit, so I couldn't be able to be part of this meeting. However, he has sent the delegation from the, the policy and such services branch to address the the committee on CS. Uh, I think they are under the leadership of Ms. Ms. Pulani Kole. So those are the members and the colleagues that have been 
that are in the in, in the platform chair. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Brakin. <clears throat> Can I have a member who is going to move for the adoption of the agenda which is appearing before us? Honorable members. Good morning, Chairperson. This is Honorable De Villiers. I will move for the adoption of the agenda. Thank you, Honorable De Villiers. Any second, Honorable members? Good morning, Chairperson. This is Honorable April. I second. Thank you, Honorable April. We'll now proceed with our agenda. The leader from <clears throat> the presidency will take us through. We're waiting for this briefing. Over to you. Um, uh, thank you very much, Chair, and uh, good morning to you and uh, honorable members. Uh, thank you very much for the invitation uh, and uh, to uh, take you through um, the socioeconomic impact uh, assessment system. Uh, I'm also with my colleague, um, Ms. Gaynor McMaster, who will also speak to uh, other section of uh, the presentation. Um, Chair, and uh, are you able to see the presentation? Yes, it is clear. Proceed. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Um, So the presentation will give a background on understanding what uh, uh, the socioeconomic impact assessment system is all about, how, how was it introduced in government, and how is it being applied, and what are the institutional arrangements for its implementation, and some of um, the implementation highlights, and the key principles uh, uh, that have to be applied when uh, using SIAS and some of the support um, initiatives that we offer uh, as policy and research services. Uh, so SIAS is an ex-ante analysis uh, tool aimed to strengthen policy and lawmaking. So by ex-ante is that uh, we analyze the potential uh, socioeconomic impact of a policy or a bill or regulations before they can be uh, approved for implementation. Uh, so it is a very thought-provoking uh, process uh, in a way that it asks um, some of uh, the questions that relates to um, the policy proposal or the bill that is being uh, developed uh, in terms of uh, why do we have to come up with this particular policy? What are we trying to address? What are the socioeconomic challenges that uh, we are trying to address with this uh, proposed uh, uh, policy or, or legislation? And it's also an interactive uh, kind of a system. So you can't sit in your own corner and uh, develop a policy or legislation. It requires uh, interactions with various uh, uh, expertise within, within departments and outside. Um, it, it is also multidimensional in terms of uh, uh, asking critical questions in terms of how your policy or bill uh, will improve uh, the socioeconomic conditions of uh, the vulnerable groups of the society 
how is it going to uh, contribute to the key priorities of uh, the country in addressing poverty, inequality, economy, sustainable environment, competitiveness and governance issues. So it's not um, a a narrow or or linear uh, kind of approach, but it allows uh, uh, policy practitioners and those who are crafting legislation to have a broader view of uh, what they're actually doing uh, during policy making. So this this system has to be applied throughout policy or lawmaking stages. You don't do CS after you have uh, uh, drafted a policy or a bill. You have to start at early stages when you have identified a, a need, a problem or an opportunity that requires government attention. So it's a tool to assist a decision-making, whether we should regulate or not. So not every uh, opportunity or challenge that we are confronted will require a new policy or new regulation. Sometimes it's about uh, evaluating the current uh, interventions and uh, uh, improving the mechanisms in place uh, to address uh, the shortcomings of, of the policy. So in one of um, the templates that we have shared, there is a question that also asks to say, if you say you want to address this particular policy, have you checked with other existing interventions and uh, whether those interventions, are they addressing um, uh, adequately that particular problem or what are the shortcomings uh, so that we don't have overlay of uh, uh, policies uh, without uh, assessing um, the existing interventions. And also it allows us that uh, when we develop policies, we need to be sensible, uh, sensitive that uh, regulation can have um, uh, impacts uh, differently to uh, uh, the members of society. Like uh, when you look at uh, some of the laws uh, with regard to um, uh, safety of buildings and zoning, uh, the big businesses are able to easily uh, comply and uh, adhere to all the requirements of, of these regulations, but uh, uh, they have negative impact to uh, small businesses and uh, sometimes they even affect uh, the entry of, uh, or they are barriers to entry for, for small businesses. So we have to be mindful also of the history of this country, that if we come up with regulation, how is it also impacting um, those uh, with high income and uh, the poor, those who are in rural areas, townships, and those who are in urban. Uh, So it's very important that uh, we are mindful that our policies and bills do not perpetuate uh, exclusion. So through uh, CS, departments analyze broader socioeconomic challenges, associated costs and risk, and uh, uh, should upfront develop mitigation action. So we shouldn't get surprises uh, after the policy or the law has been assented uh, into the act of parliament and uh, we are experiencing uh, litigations and unintended consequences. It has to be thought through while we are still drafting uh, our policies. Uh, It is also important to ensure that uh, our policies are aligned to the National Development Plan and the constitutions. 
and uh, also taking into consideration on how uh, the proposals uh, impact and uh, relate to the transformation and inclusive economic growth. So if you look at uh, the 1997 um, uh, white paper on uh, Batupili and uh, also what the National Development Plan says about a developmental state that uh, as government officials, it's not about producing seculars and uh, developing regulation and legislation. It's about how we are efficient in the delivery of services and improving continuous improvement uh, on the quality of services. So uh, it's not about the way of uh, regulating and enforcing, but it's about uh, 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 thinking about uh, the development of, of our country and uh, the quality of services that needs to go to um, uh, our citizens. So with regard to the journey of, of, of CS, um, uh, uh, previously, uh, cabinet uh, in 2007, under the leadership of uh, the former president, Tabombeki, uh, approved the introduction of the regulatory impact assessment. So the regulatory impact assessment uh, is uh, a system that has been adopted uh, by uh, the OECD countries uh, and, uh, and, and it's been used uh, uh, by most of uh, these countries as uh, a way of improving uh, better regulation. So it was approved by a cabinet in 2007 uh, to be piloted uh, firstly for, for two years. Uh, so uh, it also brought some adjustment in terms of our cabinet memo uh, to uh, include also RIA to guide um, a cabinet in terms of decisions around uh, the bills and policies that are being uh, served uh, at cabinet level. Uh, so in terms of institutional arrangements, when RIA was approved as a pilot, uh, it was meant to be uh, led by the Policy Coordination and Advisory Service. It used to be called uh, PICAS and the Cabinet Office to ensure um, that it's being implemented across. And uh, National Treasury was also uh, responsible to provide capacity doing quality assurance and ensure uh, financial resources for real consultations. Uh, so departments were responsible to do RIA when uh, developing or initiating uh, legislation. Um, with regard to the outcomes of that pilot, uh, there were very few uh, regulatory impact assessment that were undertaken as it was not uh, properly integrated into uh, departments uh, policy making processes. And uh, the limitation also with RIA is that it was more focusing on the likely economic costs and benefits uh, to one sector of the society, which is business, and not taking into account broader national uh, priorities. And we should be mindful also that at that time, we didn't have the national uh, 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 development plan as um, a, a basis uh, for policy making. Um, so the two-year pilot also expired in 2009 and was not renewed. And uh, also in 2009, there were also changes where uh, PICAS was uh, being disestablished and replaced by Department of uh, Planning, Monitoring, and Evaluation, as well as, as the National Planning Commission. 
So in 2014, um, the socioeconomic impact assessment system was introduced uh, by that time, uh, Department of uh, Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation with the former Economic Development Department, National Treasury and uh, uh, TIPS. Uh, so it was then approved by cabinet in February 2015, uh, establishing also our unit uh, to be responsible for coordination and, and quality assurance. Um, uh, so cabinet also further approved in September 2015 that uh, CSB applied to all policies uh, to bills, regulations with official date of its implementation to commence uh, from 1st of October uh, 2015. Um, so uh, initially with RIA, it was mostly focusing on, on bills and legislation, and there were gaps uh, with regard to regulations, particularly that regulations were uh, approved internally by ministers. They were not uh, being approved by cabinet and parliament, and there were a lot of uh, challenges around um, uh, the negative uh, impact of, of uh, regulations that are being processed internally. And hence, cabinet saw a need that uh, the CS have to be applied broadly to public policies, uh, to bills and regulations. So whether a public policy or, uh, um, is uh, approved internally, it has to also uh, be subjected to CS. Uh, so in September 2016, uh, the President's Coordinating Council approved that CSB rolled out to provinces and municipalities, particularly that uh, also um, there are challenges with bylaws, uh, especially to uh, small businesses, and therefore they have to be subjected to uh, CS as well. Uh, so with regard to the current administration, um, under the leadership of uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa, uh, there have been emphasis on implementation uh, or fast-tracking implementation of uh, regulation. And key issues uh, uh, that um, the current administration is prioritizing on is to remove uh, policy impediments and improve the ease of doing business and to ensure that our policies are evidence-based and effectively coordinated. Uh, so those are some of the challenges uh, with uh, uh, some of our legislation and addressing uh, complicated and lengthy uh, regulatory processes. And uh, he's also leading implementation of structural economic reforms around water, energy, transport, uh, visa regime, and digital communications. A typical example, on um, addressing complicated and lengthy regulatory processes. We had challenges also with backlogs around applications for the water user uh, licenses. And the president said uh, uh, the turnaround time uh, has to be reduced to 90 days. Um, and I must indicate with the recent reports from Department of Water and Sanitation, we had about 944 um, uh, applications that were processed out of the backlog of uh, nine, 998. And the department was able to also process about 150 applications within the turnaround time of 90 days. It was um, actually a 133 percentage uh, of applications processed. Uh, they targeted uh, uh, about 113, but they were able to exceed 
so this has happened because of uh, uh, strong leadership and also uh, improving uh, uh, internal processes, uh, capacitating the unit that is responsible for application, but also improving the business uh, processes and uh, uh, your re-engineering. So those are some of the things that CS will look into to say when you craft legislation and expect uh, members of the uh, public to do applications uh, as part of your regulation, do you have enough, enough capacity and what systems and procedures are you going to put in place uh, to uh, process your permits and your licenses and to ensure that uh, and, and to also say, how competitive are we with other countries? Uh, uh, if you say you are going to approve an application uh, in two years, what does it mean in terms of competing with other countries? Um, are, we, are we slower or are we faster than other countries? So those are some of the things that uh, CS uh, helps uh, policy practitioners to look at. So for example, you can come with a legislation uh, that requires you to enforce and you don't have an enforcement unit, then it means you won't be able to monitor compliance and the challenges that prompted you to come with that legislation will still uh, persist. So those are some of the critical issues that has to be uh, thought through during the development of um, our policies and legislation. Uh, some of the priorities uh, looks into the revitalization of rural and township uh, economy, where we know that uh, most of our population um, uh, in these areas are not uh, employed. And uh, to facilitate investment in the country and also red tape uh, reduction and improving business environment for uh, companies of all sizes. A review of the Business Act alongside with broader review of legislation that affects SMME and reduce the regulatory burden. And uh, um, the Policy and Research Services Unit was established in 2019. And the CS unit that was initially under Department of Planning, Monitoring, Evaluation was being transferred to this and new police and research services to ensure that um, as we coordinate CS, we ensure that uh, policies and legislation are informed by evidence or credible research. Uh, and uh, we are able to ensure that uh, our policies are coherent. There are no clashes and uh, uh, impediments uh, in terms of uh, delivery of services. Um, so my uh, colleague will um, take you, uh, Chair and Honourable Members, uh, through how the CS is being applied uh, in terms of uh, uh, the two phases, the initial impact assessment and the final impact assessment. As I indicated earlier, that CS has to be applied uh, throughout uh, policymaking. Uh, so through you, Chair, uh, may I request that uh, Ms. Gaynor McMaster take us through um, the practical application of, of CS. Thank you very much. Um, good morning, um, Honourable Chair and Honourable Members. Um, as Ms. Corley indicated, I'll take you through the application of, um, of the system. 
Um, so SAYAS, um, Socioeconomic Impact Assessment System, consists of two distinct yet interrelated phases, namely the initial impact assessment and um, the final impact assessment. Um, the nature of the work done on these phases are iterative in nature, um, meaning there's a lot of to and fro between the owning department or the drafting department and um, policy and research uh, services representatives. Um, and this is towards ensuring the best quality report is produced at the end of the day. Um, our turnaround time um, is a standard turnaround time of 14 days between iterations. However, we also work closely together with departments and crafting a, a, a roadmap um, if we find that um, there's a need for that. So in terms of the phases, I'll start off with the initial impact assessment phase. Um, this phase is closely associ associated with the diagnostic and problem um, analysis phase in the policy development um, process. And here the drafter or the depart owning department is prompted to use evidence to inform the problem as well as contextualize the um, the contextualize the status quo. Um, this should also, this phase also provides um, ample information to identify the various pathways to change. Um, and this is done or encouraged through a, a intensive option analysis exercise. This is where the department then comes out, uh, comes up with various options of addressing the problem based on evidence as well. Um, and at the end, we then um, require the department to then identify or motivate for a preferred option. Um, so the products that is produced during this phase um, or the, the deliverables in, is the initial impact assessment report, a detailed concept note or green paper around the problem um, the department wishes to, to address. Um, these documents, um, we, we say that it's mostly used for internal consultation uh, within the department um, and towards obtaining approval for the department's policy position. Um, when I started, honorable members, I mentioned that um, the phases are closely or interrelated, um, meaning that the work on the problem identification and providing evidence uh, based on um, based on the context and finding the various options um, is used then used in the final impact assessment phase. Um, this phase uh, focuses on the preferred option. Remember, I, I uh, highlighted that the preferred option um, is then it comes from the initial impact assessment phase. So within the final impact assessment phase, we closely, we focus on, on implementation aspects of the preferred option. Um, it contains, so you use the information used um, during the problem analysis and contextualizing, and we then use it as a start in the final impact assessment phase. It also contains um, sections dealing with consultation feedback or, or feedback or input from, from the key uh, stakeholders. And here we, we advocate for inclusivity, ensuring that all relevant stakeholders are consulted on not only the draft policy or the bill, 
or the regulation, but also your SAS report. So their views with regards to the risks involved with the preferred option, cost involved and unintended consequences um, should be, be captured during this phase. We also have a section dealing with um, identification of existing policy, legislation, and regulation from not only the, the drafting departments, but other departments um, that, that have implemented uh, policy legislation regulation focusing in on addressing the same problem. So here, um, honorable members, we, we uh, attempt to, to minimize the policy contradictions um, that might arise during implementation by identifying these uh, existing um, legislation and ironing out um, any, any possible contradictions or also identifying possible alignment and, and um, collaboration with other departments. Additionally, we also encourage resource planning um, as we know the importance thereof, um, so we encourage departments to weigh costing of, of um, the preferred option. Um, and as we know that not planning on or not doing this has a um, negative impact on the implementation of your preferred option. Um, so it then lends itself to the saying that we have beautiful policy and legislation and regulation, but we are unable to implement it due to the lack of resource planning. So through say, as we encourage that costing, proper costing be done on the preferred option. We also deem risk identification as an important aspect. Um, so we prompt departments to really think through on, on all the risks uh, that might pose an implementation barrier. And we encourage them to come up with mitigation action plan, uh, plans um, during the early phases already, um, so that we know that when uh, a particular risk uh, uh, poses implementation blockage, that we know how to deal with that. Um, in 2018-2019, Honourable Members, we introduced an M&E component to the SAS, uh, the final impact assessment phase, and this is critical um, as department need needs to gather uh, data on whether policies, legislation, regulation are on track to meeting its, its objectives. And also periodically evaluate uh, whether a particular uh, a preferred option was the right solution in the first place um, towards addressing the problem and whether, whether we, we are able to um, to get uh, the to meet the societal change that we envisaged um, in the beginning. Um, in terms of the final impact assessment, we have various sign-off stages. Um, the first one um, is the, the cluster sign-off. This is an indication that a department has now obtained a, an approval from the, uh, the minister and is now able uh, to present or table uh, this policy proposal or, lead, or bill at, uh, DG, at cluster committees. Um, thereafter, once input is received, it is then incorporated into the bill or draft policy. And we also say that um, if input is significant and it prompts changes to your SAS report, this is the opportunity to do so, to incorporate those changes or make the required revisions. Um, they then resubmit the SAS report. Uh, we assess it and, and check, uh, do the due diligence check. 
we then provide a sign-off on pre, a preliminary sign-off that then allows the department or uh, uh, the opportunity to gazette for public comments. And that is then, um, once that is done, another phase uh, opportunity is also then to incorporate the input into the build or the, the draft policy as well as the say yes as well. So we take departments through these phases and sign off uh, processes until uh, we meet the final sign off. This is when all uh, the, the bill or the draft policy as well as your say yes has um, gone through all the uh, authorizations um, that is contained in the legislative and policy development process. The next slide, please. So in terms of the SAS process flow, uh, this slide um, just captures the various steps contained uh, within the process and what are the key deliverables um, um, at each step. Uh, an important part is this that I wanted to mention with, with regards to this slide is that your SAS report, it accompanies your draft policy and your or your bill. Um, throughout the legislative or policy development process and authorize, authorizing or, um, uh, stakeholders. Um, for example, I've mentioned cabinet committees, portfolio committees, um, as well as your NEDLAC processes. So this is just the process flow that unpacks it and categorizes it um, within uh, particular steps. Next slide, please. So in terms of the application, we have identified within our uh, SAS guidelines there are, that there are exclusions. Um, so automatic exclusions would be your statu statutory laws um, and legislation, as well as corporate policies um, like internal policy, HR, ICT, and budgetary policy as well. We've also developed a significant test. Uh, this is when uh, we really test the, the, whether or not your preferred option has a, a what what the significance is does it have a, a huge significant significance on on society and on other departments and based on the outcome of that we then de determine whether or not your regulation um, has to go through the full say yes so if we if um, that test um, yields results that it doesn't have much of a significance or an impact on on society and other and other departments, we then provide you with an exemption certificate, meaning that you do not have to go through the full sayers. Uh, next slide, please. So, um, honorable members, in terms of the institutional arrangements, um, this slide uh, just identifies all the key stakeholders um, to the, the SAS uh, process. Um, here, we would like to just highlight that the responsibility to draft the SAS report, it falls on the owning department. Um, so your SAS report is not um, written up by the Policy and Research Services Unit. Um, the PRS is solely responsible uh, for doing policy analysis um, and ensuring that due diligence has been conducted on, on, on your SAS report.
We also have identified um, SAS champions. Uh, these would be representatives within each department uh, with the sole responsibility of advocating for SAS within the department and ensuring that it is uh, it, it forms an integral and integrated part of each department each department's policy development process. So they are basically our um, eyes, ears, hands, and feet within each department. We also say that departments or the owning department is responsible for, for publishing their SAS report um, on their websites. Um, this would ensure that the process is fully transparent and that any interested party has access to it, free access to it. Um, we also work closely with um, the offices of the premiers um, with regards to coordinating and capacitating provincial departments on the implementation of SAS and also crafting a custom-made SAS approach within each department. So we do work closely with um, the OTPs. We also work closely with cabinet office within the presidency. Um, they ensure that all uh, uh, proposals um, that are on the legislative program for a particular year, um, that um, we are alerted about those and ensure that um, a SAS is done on, on those um, legislation and policy before it is tabled uh, uh, to the relevant um, committees. Next slide please. Okay, thank you. Um, honorable members, I'll now hand over to Ms. Corley um, to take you further. Okay, thank you, uh, Ms. McMaster. Um, yeah, so this uh, slide speaks to the implementation highlights uh, that since we started in 2015, after cabinet approved the introduction of CS, they were about 703 policy proposals that went through CS, uh, of which 80% uh, comprise of bills, public policies and regulations, and the remainder were uh, rules like uh, your magistrate court rules, uh, notices, uh, some of the high impact uh, frameworks, uh, strategies, programs, and plans. So we went uh, beyond the scope of um, uh, uh, the bills policies, but also to say some of uh, strategies and programs have uh, a high impact uh, to uh, uh, other departments and to uh, the national development plan and has to be uh, assessed through CIA. So this is uh, the distribution of uh, the 703 policy proposals that went through CIA's Um, so through CS departments have opportunity to facilitate resources and address potential policy impediments. Uh, uh, this is also what uh, uh, Gaynor McMaster spoke about in terms of facilitating resources uh, for implementation. So it shouldn't be a surprise that uh, after the policy or the bill has been approved, uh, there are no resources for, for implementation. And uh, through SES, a central repository for policies and bills uh, was created. And uh, through this uh, process, we are able to um, uh, look at uh, alignment of some of the complementary policies and ensure that uh, 
They are better streamlined uh, for implementation. We continuously as a unit provide inductions uh, to officials within government and uh, uh, we, we have uh, covered more than uh, 2,500 officials. So it's an implication of how um, uh, uh, government uh, is involved in policymaking. Um, the, we also uh, introduced the National Policy Development Framework, which was approved by cabinet in uh, December 2020 to guide uh, departments on evidence-based uh, policymaking. This is based on uh, the assessment that we did and the interviews that we had with policy practitioners that there is a gap uh, in the country that guides uh, uh, policy practitioners on how to develop uh, policies. So this framework also includes uh, 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 standards of policy making and uh, uh, expected or a guide in terms of duration to ensure that there are proper there is proper planning on policy development uh, uh, and uh, also uh, allocating more time and on research as well as stakeholder engagement. So those are some of the elements of uh, this framework and also defining or providing definitions of key terms to say, what is the difference between um, a policy and a policy framework? What is the green paper? What is a white paper? So we have also clarified those uh, terminologies that are used in, in policy making. Uh, we also developed a curriculum uh, in collaboration with the National School of Government so that they can provide extensive training on CS. And this is also opening up uh, to private sector. And uh, there is also a, a course uh, that is provided on evidence-based policy making that uh, is being uh, led by Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation. We have also established a community of practice to uh, support departments on cross-cutting matters in policy making and application of CS. One of um, these cross-cutting matters is on how to um, uh, assist departments in uh, 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 implementing policies and monitoring uh, of their impact. Uh, beyond uh, being approved and how, how this process also inform the review or termination of policies. And we all have also gained international recognition, uh, for example, from the OECD. And uh, we were also invited to support other countries on establishment of uh, impact uh, assessment systems. Um, so these are the key principles when applying CS that uh, when we develop uh, policy and legislation, we have to uh, have the South African context that we have high levels of unemployment, particularly youth unemployment. Uh, we have challenges of uh, poverty and inequality, and therefore uh, our regulation has to uh, uh, be biased to addressing these three main challenges. And uh, CS has to be uh, applied throughout policy and legislation development. And uh, it's very important to use credible evidence. Wrong diagnosis of a problem will lead to wrong uh, intervention and resources will be wasted on a, a wrong uh, intervention. And uh, some, we have to also avoid developing policies when it is not necessary to do so. 
So it's not about developing a policy, ticking the box. It's about implementation. It's about addressing um, the socioeconomic uh, conditions of, of our society. And it's very important to engage with other departments and organs of state in early stages of research and policy making uh, so that you have uh, more evidence and coherent policy making. So you have different uh, roles and stake, uh, of stakeholders. Others are policy implementers, others have to comply, uh, others are policy formulators, others have done research on the same area. So it's very important to do early consultations. And uh, we need to conceptualize through discussions, uh, documents. Your green paper is still important and uh, policies before developing bills. So we have challenges where other departments will rush to develop a bill without uh, conceptualizing. And um, uh, the concept document is not the memo on object. The concept is more of a broader thinking and a thorough analysis of the problem or the opportunity that you want to address. And it allows literature reviews uh, using your administrative data to look into how um, uh, implementation has been happening. Uh, so it's a very important step uh, before development of uh, legislation. And we have found also uh, departments that have developed green paper, white paper before coming up with legislation. Uh, uh, it becomes also easy for stakeholders to, to, to understand and to contribute. Uh, these are some of uh, the feedback that we got from NETLEC and Office of the Chief State Law Advisor. If you have a policy prior to developing a bill, it's, it's, it's very easy for them also uh, to uh, contribute or process that particular bill. <laughs> And the policies and laws have to be resourced. Otherwise, it will be a good policy that will gather dust uh, that doesn't have uh, a, a, a resources for implementation. So CS helps uh, to also to say, if um, uh, we are costing this legislation or the bill and these are the requirements or resources, how do we prioritize uh, internally or how do we we engage our social partners uh, for funding to implement uh, our policies. Uh, the other important part is implementation plans. Um, it has to be part of uh, policy making uh, so that you are able to determine how you're going to monitor that particular policy or legislation. And if it is not working, uh, you should have those kind of indication that uh, will assist and tell you that uh, this policy is not working and therefore you have to um, a review or, or, or terminate. It's just also like uh, uh, some of the medications they say, if you, you take this uh, a pill for 10 days and nothing happens, it means you need to go and see um, uh, the physician. Uh, so those are some of the things that uh, should happen. Uh, as we monitor our, uh, our policies. It shouldn't take us 10, 20 years to realize that the particular legislation uh, is not working. And uh, uh, so we need to, to have uh, that uh, embedded in, in policy making. And, and, and not only that, but also we should be have uh, uh, determine whether we have good policies or not. 
through uh, monitoring. It should tell you that uh, we are starting to see positive results uh, because of this uh, particular policy or legislation. And uh, the monitoring also and the evaluation will help us to swiftly intervene, to terminate or to also come up with continuous improvements and uh, uh, coherently achieve uh, implementation of national priorities. Uh, so this slide is about uh, uh, some of the support initiatives uh, that we have uh, to assist uh, the policy practitioners in government. Uh, we have uh, trainings that are offered by the National School of Government, as I indicated, uh, on CS. Uh, we're using the community of practice and uh, also the national framework for policy development that will be followed by policy briefs and uh, some of the guidelines. Uh, we also have our sister department, uh, Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation that assists with evidence mapping and guidelines and also doing evaluations of our policies and legislation. But we also have policy analysis experts. We call them outcome facilitators who also contribute in the analysis of our CS reports. Uh, we established a public policy development and research network um, uh, that is uh, uh, looking at uh, capacitating uh, government officials on uh, issues of policy and research. And uh, we have created a database on the research that has been conducted by government and uh, the multi-year research project, project products uh, so that we are able to uh, ensure that there is a sharing of research and we don't um, uh, duplicate uh, some of the research, but we can uh, share uh, from, from the database. Uh, we are currently finalizing a framework on improving the turnaround time to finalize bills. Uh, we have seen uh, research that has been done also by um, a parliament, uh, parliament, uh, parliamentary monitoring group that it takes uh, on average about five years to finalize uh, legislation from initiation up to where the bill is being assented by the president into uh, uh, the act of parliament. And when it takes so long, it, it says to us that the problems that have to be addressed by this particular legislation will remain for five years in the system. So um, this uh, framework look, has actually looked into all the processes uh, from the departments when they initiate the NETLEC processes, the processes of uh, Office of the Chief State Law Advisors, and uh, we have made some proposals in terms of uh, uh, reducing the turnaround time uh, so that uh, we are able to finalize uh, our legislation quicker. So that's uh, basically um, the presentation, uh, uh, honorable members, on the socioeconomic impact assessment system. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, that was a powerful, but it's a lot of information I'm telling you. <clears throat> but you were so fluent and you were not in a hurry. But the problem is that if you see, you get an information at a later stage and you want to engage 
it is sometimes very, very difficult to engage properly, but we heard you and we are excited. Uh, there are a lot of questions which will arose from the, the members as well as myself as the chair, but we appreciate your presence because really it's, it, you are empowering us. Uh, we thought just if we say want to come up with a bill, is something just will just wake up in the morning and do that. Uh, today we are educated, we appreciate that, but as the organ which is doing oversight uh, by, by venture of being members of parliament, we believe we will question you, won't be arrogant, but it will uh, indicate the frustrations we are having. So I will now invite members to engage, ask clarity-seeking question, because this is your, your presentation and, and that's how you are operating. I will come later after honorable members have questioned, advice, et cetera, et cetera. So honorable members, I'm inviting you to engage with the presentation. King, you will assist me to identify hands. King, can you hear me? Yes, I'm with you. I'm with you, Chair. Yes. I'm still waiting for members to raise their hands. Right okay. now, there's a hand from uh, Honorable April. Okay. He's the only the one only so far, so far huh? Chair. He okay. is the only one so far. Okay, Honorable April, the stage is yours. Well, he'll be followed by uh, Honorable Jacobs. Okay. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I will be asking three questions, but first let me take this opportunity to welcome the presentation that has been given from the presidency. Um, it is indeed a, a detailed uh, presentation. Chairperson, what I would want to check with them is, number one, ordinarily, how long does this process take or how long should the entire uh, sales process take, number one? Number two, I want to check, uh, Chair, is what is the presidency disposition of view on the separations of power, doctrine, and so forth, and what does the plans to have a similar unit in parliament? My last questions. Uh, a question is, what is the level of cooperation or collaboration between SAIS and Parliament's constitutional and legal services uh, office, the CLSO? Those are my questions. I thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Jacobs. Thank you, Chair, and uh, greetings to uh, everybody. Um, I think also I want to start by saying that this is a good presentation and there's a lot to chew on. And so I've read the document and the presentation. So 
um, I think this will help a great deal with coordination of our policy uh, process. I want to think aloud first, Jay, and then I ask a few questions. So, um, our big problem in our country isn't policies. Our big problem in our country is the implementation of our policy framework. Yes, there's a few policy gaps and policy coordination is always welcome between the three spheres of government. But I think our big problem is, and so the question I want to ask is around, how will this help with the coordination of um, the implementation? Now we in parliament, we have both a legislative function, but also executive oversight. Is there a part of this um, system that will help parliament with his executive oversight on implementation? Because we approve budgets and we approve uh, APPs and strat plans of departments. Will this help us with implementation of the policy? I think that for me is a key thing. Now, in my previous life, Chair, I was a, I was, I was a bureaucrat and worked uh, in a difference. I was working in a chief director for local government, a development bank. And the big issue that we had then was we had a ward information management system. Now, ward is a geographical area where we vote and we vote for. So there's about, I think, uh, more than 4,000 wards across our country. And government has a economic and a social impact investment footprint in each of these wards across our country. Wall to wall, South Africa has ward and VD systems. Now, in the past, we could track how many schools, how many creches, how many uh, uh, police stations, how much clinics in each of the geographic wards and what is the, the footprint of both money and budget and plan. So the IDP, Integrated Development Plan, the Municipal Plan, the Ward Plan, uh, Provincial Plan um, that links economic and uh, socioeconomic issues in that ward space was there. So we could indicate, we could identify all the poverty pockets. So in our country, poverty is mapped in geographical areas. We know in the townships, that's where our people are indigent. They're very poor. And we know that these are the areas that require better, bigger policy interventions. So are they using a geographical spread of how policy is being implemented? Because I think some areas like early childhood development, we have a policy around that the state is providing each child 17 rand a day if you're under five years old at a, at a crash uh, for food and nutrition. That's a policy position. But the problem is the policy implementation is that here in the Western Cape, there's more than 3,500 crashes on the Cape Flats areas that is not registered because the city of Cape Town wants to charge them 30, 40,000 to formalize their crashes. So there is a disjuncture because on the one hand, the city of Cape Town want to make profit. On the other hand, the policy of national for early childhood is that each kid under five years old that is, that is coming from a poor community must get a 17 rand for a meal. So that's because of that policy disjuncture, our kids are not getting that, uh, that nutrition or meal or, or the, the money that's meant to go for them. So how are we going to track the existing implementation of our policy. Because my big problem now is that we've got good policies on paper, but we're not, we're not delivering and there's no consequence man management for, for, for the policies that we're supposed to implement. And we as 
members of parliament. We go everywhere. We do oversight. I've written letters to the mayor. I've written every to the. I've worked with the early childhood uh, centres in 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 our area. But you just see there's a blockage. And so is the system just a broken telephone that's just going to give us a sense of being okay? But on the ground, we're not feeling the policy impact. And so I am wary. Let me say, because I've been in the system for more than 30 years, there's been different iterations of policy formulation, policy coordination, and that. And it's all in well. We've, we've got a dedicated department of monitoring and evaluation chair. There, there's a whole department in the presidency that deals with this. But we still have these big policy gaps this, in the implementation chair. So um, I want to... I, I'm, I'm thinking aloud, but I'm also raising considerations that you must have in this in the system. I want to ask that you need to have the capability to say in a geographical space. So of Ward 2 in, in Tanzania, we must know what is the local government footprint, the provincial government footprint, and the national government footprint in that geographical space. So if we know the profile of the people, we can crowd in proper developmental resources and keep people accountable in that in, in that in that geographical space chair. I, I'm not, I hope I'm clear, but I, I want to engage, let me say up front, um, I'm thinking aloud and it's maybe ramblings, but um, we need to engage this forward. And I think it's a good thing that this that the presidency is coordinating this because we need to get our use our resources better. But we want to encourage more education, more input more involvement and so chair i'm i'm excited but i i have many questions so let me pause there and um, uh, thank the the team for this presentation thank you chair thank you do you still have more hands yes chair it's a honorable inkosul truly and then honorable matulel honorable inkosul truly over to you Uh, <clears throat> thank you, thank you, thank you, Chair. Uh, I think I've got one question. It's pertaining the, the, the red tape uh, in, in our SMEs, like CETA, CETA, and all those, uh, when they are going to do to to start doing the the, the the policy which can remove those uh, red tapes. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable. Honorable Matulelo. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. Greetings to Honorable members and uh, the presenters that are with us today. Um. I will just ask the questions to the states. Uh, is there any progress research and cooperation between the states and the Department of Small Business Development? Number two, has the states dealt with the committee bill? Uh, the last uh, question, I don't have uh, many at my hand, but the last one, how does it going to cover rural and townships, 
type of small businesses. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Thank you. King, do we still have any other hands? No, no, Chairperson, those are the hands that uh, they were raised. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Braking. Uh, honorable members, my understanding, this unity in the presidency is there to assist uh, the process of developing bills as well as uh, policies, where in each and every um, item they were indicating, firstly, they indicated or they defined what does a CS means and why is it established? Uh, from there, they indicated when was it introduced during 2014, which is, too, is, is, is long ago. 2015, it was approved. So during September 2016, certain uh, activities also occurred uh, here ours is to check uh, who how to apply and uh, who should do that according to my understanding they said officials officials of the department what, now what do we want to check with uh, with the delegation here is how do we come in as parliamentarians because parliamentarians are also allowed to develop or to establish bills. And I will agree with Honorable April on the issue of time frame because even the speaker, one of the presenters indicated that the difficulty is that uh, this process takes long. I don't think that we are assisting the society if even in the office of the presidency uh, we are indicating that those bills uh, are supposed to move from this category and that category. Can't it be uh, regulated in other way to maybe to, to shorten the period because what is important is to deal with those stumbling blocks. If I may quote you well, under key principles, where you say we need to understand South Africa's context, which is unemployment, poverty, and inequality. Now, if a policy or a bill is to take such long, as Honorable Nkosi has, uh, Nkosi Lituli has indicated, how are we going to assist our people, most especially that were the Department of Small Business, which uh, small business, it is uh, evident that is the only sector which can create jobs because they're dealing with smaller jobs. If maybe 700 are able to employ seven, six, eight, uh, that is job creation. Now, if there are those uh, red tapes and those bills are taking too long, I don't think that this unity is assisting us. That's what I can indicate as the chair of this committee. Yes, we understand that we need to use credible evidence for research and option analysis. 
But my problem, I agree with Honorable Jacobs that we have got good policies. The problem is implementation. Now, under monitoring and evaluation, how best are you going to to monitor? I heard you indicating that up to so far, you had um, 703 policies among them during 2015. 80% are bills, policies, and the regulations. You can count from 2015 to, 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 to date because <coughs> our role as the, as the portfolio committee or as parliament is to monitor. That's why we had this problem of understanding not long in one meeting, I can't mention that particular meeting, we discovered that billions are being returned back to the, to the treasurer. While we have got these three huge big challenges of unemployment inequality. So, so we need to, 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 to jungle around those issues that yes, we need to do research. We need to make sure that there is coherent. We need to make sure that there is relationship. But the period itself is jeopardizing everything. This is a good plan, but really uh, the, 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 the process is taking long. I don't see this process assisting us. As the portfolio committee want to develop our own bill, imagine the, the, the term of office of uh, each term is five years. You will start a bill, and then along the way, the term, your, your term uh, elapses, and then uh, new people, new faces come in. And then from there, that particular information is no longer carried. And the, the problem on the ground is not being resolved, more especially on the issues of red tapes, on the issues of uh, uh, bureaucratic, as Honorable uh, Jacobs has indicated, where our people are denying their rights to get finances, et cetera, et cetera. So if those bills really are taking long, to me, I appreciate this, um, this year's party. The championing part of it needs to be looked at on how departments are, implement, uh, uh, are doing such an implementation. Again, how best can a portfolio committee involve themselves into, into this process of establishing bills so that we are the ones who are highly affected because we are the ones who are dealing with the people on, on the ground. As Honorable Jacobs has indicated, and um, under Western Cape, how best can we assist our people? So really, it's, it's, a, it's a good presentation, but the issue of time frame to me is a problem. Initiations, initiatives, who should participate? If we can get clarity on how best can, as the portfolio committee, zoom into the into the space. Uh, these were my my observation over to you my delegation from the presidency uh, chairperson yes uh, through you chairperson can i request the permission yes. Yes. yes just for the just for the benefit of the members chairperson yes <coughs> um, 
I, I thought, Chair, I should ask this. Maybe if ECS can also give us an, um, a, a, a progress report of some sort with regards to the, the Business Act, the National Small Enterprise Act, the Small Business Ombuds Bill. Uh, have these been presented to see us? Uh, at what stage are they now in terms of um, assisting the department uh, to finalize these processes. Number two, Chair, um, the DT, I mean, the, the, the department, it took the department a good number of years to shift uh, the Business Act from the Department of Trade and Industry to DSBD. Uh, as far as they know, or as far as they are aware, do we need to go through the same process as the parliament if we were to move the business act from the department to parliament is there a legislative guide or it should be a um, an, an understanding gentlemen's understanding or agreement between the portfolio committee and the department uh, thank you chairperson uh, thank you, Sbu. <clears throat> you, you came to my risk. I, I was trying to outline that when I say uh, how best can they assist us now because you have pointed exactly what is it mm. that we want. I think it will assist. Over to you. If you don't have answers, we may request you to go and make some research on those, on those issues, but it's an urgent matter which the portfolio committee would like to to get from your good selves. Over to you. Okay, thank you, Chair, and uh, uh, honorable members for the questions that are valid and uh, 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 valuable. Um, So the first question from honorable April was uh, to understand how long does this process uh, take So we indicated earlier that CS has to be applied throughout policy uh, development or development of bills. So that process uh, is interlinked with the period that it takes to develop a policy uh, and legislation. But to compile a CS, when we started in 2015, we asked departments to say, how long did it take you to complete a CS report. And uh, on average, uh, it took uh, two to five days dedicated uh, to develop a CS report. And when the CS report is submitted to us, the average turnaround time to analyze and provide feedback is 14 days. So all in all, it can take about uh, 30 days uh, uh, of uh, CS, doing CS and getting feedback uh, from our side. So it doesn't take long uh, to do that unless it's a very complex uh, policy or bill that we are dealing with. Uh, Sometimes it can take as far as uh, two months, but we are trying to ensure that uh, we don't create any delays uh, during policy making. And uh, there's an issue around the um, separation of of power. We we do uh, respect that process. Uh, There were instances where parliament would invite us to assist with uh, CS on on private member bills. We have done several uh, uh, 
support to Parliament uh, with the examples of um, the RIA bill, the private member bill, and the uh, public uh, administration general laws amendment bill. Uh, We have also provided support with regards to the films and uh, um, uh, films uh, amendment bill. And uh, so those are some of uh, the bills that uh, we have intervened as a request uh, 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 by, by, by parliament. So um, we do provide that. The other issue, uh, whether there should be a unit in, in parliament to assist uh, with, with CS, it will also depend on uh, the number of private member bills that are being developed, whether it, uh, uh, it justifies to have a dedicated unit to do that. But uh, uh, from our perspective, uh, in departments, we discourage departments to develop uh, CS units uh, because if maybe that year you are not developing any policy or bill, what will be the the work of that official uh, or that unit uh, during that time? Hence, we say those who are developing policies and bills are the ones who should also subject those policies and bills to see us. And we do analysis. We do analysis and quality assurance. Oh, okay. Then the other issue was um, our engagement with uh, legal services in parliament. Um, uh, it is also based also on um, uh, whatever activity that we have, uh, but there's no agreed uh, 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 MOU in terms of our, our working relationship, but we do work uh, together on different uh, uh, activities uh, as required. Um, then there was an issue around uh, the implementation of our policies uh, at uh, uh, even up to what level. Uh, these are the responsibilities of the uh, Department of Planning, Monitoring, and Evaluation uh, to ensure that uh, policies are translated into programs and programs uh, are also translated into the annual uh, performance plans of department for implementation. And there are discussions between the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, as well as DPME, uh, to ensure that uh, there is a transfer of the function around um, spatial planning so that um, uh, the plans uh, that are being developed uh, finds expression uh, uh, in our municipalities and wards. Uh, but also there is an important model that is being led by the uh, uh, Department of uh, Cooperative Governance, the district delivery model, uh, that also where one plans are being developed to ensure that there is a coherent uh, planning uh, between the three spheres of government, also including social partners, uh, to ensure that uh, uh, delivery happens uh, uh, at uh, 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 ground level. So these are the work that has been uh, coordinated uh, by COCTA. 
Uh, we also have the National Special Development Framework that was uh, approved by cabinet to ensure that uh, uh, resources uh, are linked to um, the needs on the ground. And this is the work that also will be part of uh, DPMA to ensure that uh, resources and plans uh, are coherent or speaks to uh, the needs on the ground. And I hope uh, uh, through UCHM, maybe uh, DPME will be also invited uh, to respond to some of these areas. Um, the issues of uh, red tape uh, to small um, uh, businesses, uh, it's, 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 it's a reality. There are a lot of challenges that uh, impact SMMEs. And uh, broadly, it's not only um, from the regulation side, red tape, they also have challenges of uh, land, uh, uh, especially your, your townships. They cannot, for example, do manufacturing agriculture because of uh, challenges of, of, of land. Uh, the other issues uh, relates to uh, technology, issues of safety, uh, issues of zoning. So there are broader challenges that needs to be uh, tackled uh, coherently uh, as government. So it's not only um, capacitating a small business, uh, it's not about financing, but it's also about ensuring that uh, uh, where they operate, they have access to basic services they are not subjected to unnecessary uh, enforcement. So we need to look at uh, holistic uh, challenges that are affecting uh, the SMMEs for them to be able to develop. The issues of crime have also an impact uh, on, on, on SMMEs. So they have to, we have to have a coherent uh, approach uh, in ensuring that uh, we promote uh, 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 development and sustainability of, of SMMEs. The other important issues around capacity of small businesses include also um, issues of financial management, uh, issues of strategy in terms of how do you navigate uh, through uh, challenges of external um, environment. So those are some of uh, the dynamics that uh, uh, small businesses are going through. And I must indicate, Chair, that uh, we have an established uh, red tape uh, unit within the presidency that is led by U Babasipongosi. And uh, I hope that they will also be given an opportunity to come and share uh, the work that they are doing uh, around uh, red tape. Um, then the other issues. Um, uh, with regard to uh, the shortening the turnaround time to finalize bills. So this is a process that starts from where the minister initiate a policy up to where the bills are being uh, uh, discussed or debated in parliament. So all in all, it takes five years. And this is a process that we have undergone. We have done research. We have also interviewed officials from uh, the bill's office uh, to also look into some of the challenges that uh, we need to actually reduce. We have done also benchmarking with other countries. And uh, the framework that we are proposing is to ensure that we reduce that turnaround time to 
uh, about two years. And the other challenge that we have found is around how uh, we prepare the legislative program. So we put bills in the legislative program that we are still conceptualizing. So it's uh, one of the proposals is that we only put a, a, a bill in the legislative program when we know that it's at advanced stage to be approved by cabinet, to go out for public comments and to be introduced in parliament. And we need to also prioritize which ones uh, um, uh, should uh, be prioritized uh, to be um, uh, introduced in parliament so that we are able to even prepare the speaker and portfolio committees of the number of bills that should come through that uh, are reasonable also for them to process in a particular year. So those are some of the proposals that we are making in, in the framework that I spoke about so that it doesn't take us five years uh, to deal with, with legislation. With regard to the bills that were mentioned by um, uh, Mr. Gumete, uh, they have gone through CS, including also the business uh, a, a bill. We even followed up with the department. Uh, apparently, uh, they were still um, dealing with Office of the Chief State Law Advisors. So um, I must indicate that they are actually working on that. They've went through CS. We have followed up to say, guys, since we have sent you comments on CS, how far are you with, with the legislation? So it's between them and Office of the Chief State Law Advisors. And the other two also were, went through CS and uh, we can also make follow up in terms of how far and be, give you uh, the latest updates of, of, of that. Um, so those are our responses uh, through you, Chair. Maybe if um, Ms. McMaster have um, other areas to respond to. Thank you. Ms. Um, Kole, now I'm covered, thank you. Oh, you're covered, ne? Thank you. Honorable members, here we are. Here are the responses. Uh, but I didn't you uh, responding very, very well on those issues as uh, Smoo has, has requested. Smoo, are you covered? Yes, Chairperson. No, she, she covered me. We'll just have okay. to follow up, Chairperson, because okay. I was asking those questions in, related, in relation to the committee resolution to review the Business Act. But exactly. if it has gone through the CS process, really, uh, we may want to visit that particular resolution, Chairperson, uh, at a later date. Thank you. No problem. I think the head you will do, that is true administratively. But let me thank the team and thank the honorable members. Uh, you have empowered us. We now understand how do you do things and then uh, will uh, soon request Uba Bankosi from the president to come and present on the issue of those red tapes because it's a burning issue. Uh, we'll discuss that with you, my team, so that during the fourth term, uh, let, let us prioritize them as well as monitoring and evaluation from the president so that if ever there are issues which want clarity and want to guide as the portfolio committee will do so. But thank you so much. Uh, that was really powerful. It, it will assist us moving forward. Where well, you may be released. Thank you. 
Thank you, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. Thank you, Honorable Thank members. you. Thank you, darling. Um, King, can we go back to our agenda? Consideration and adoption of committee minutes. Can you take us through? You can you can scroll them. Chairperson, uh, these are the minutes of mm -hmm. uh, draft minutes of the portfolio committee uh, that took place on the twenty first of September, where we were being briefed by the twenty twenty two twenty three quarter one performance reports of the department. CIFA and CIDA. Mm, I will request uh, Honorable Jacobs to, to, to present them. You still remember I had a problem of network. I could not uh, complete the process with you. Honorable Jacobs. Okay, Chair. Uh, I'm in. Let's uh, go through the, the minutes. Members that was in the meeting. Uh, can you just check for correctness if everything, uh, spelling is correct and everything? You can proceed. Okay, you can go up. Proceed, Chair. Proceed. Can proceed, Chair. 
Continue. 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 Chair, I think it's a, a accurate reflection of our meeting. Chair, I move for the adoption of the minutes. Hello. Members? Members, any second are those who attended, please? I do second, Chair. Thank you. Um, the last item was close, closing remarks. Thank you for attending this meeting and thank you for your participation. Uh, I believe we are all empowered today, we understand. And thanks to our officials, our content advisor and our secretary to the committee for uh, advising and guiding us properly all the time. Uh, we'll be waiting for Mr. Ngosi and the others to come because uh, the presentation is related to, to the job he's doing. We are interested on what is it that he has developed so that we can be able to guide. But thank you so much for your time. The meeting stand agenda. Thank you. Recording stopped. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Brakin. Thank you so much, Smoo. Thank you, Nomta. Thank you, Ngabise. Menangbula wa ma meeting bandwabame. Yabona lama visual langbula lanya.
No, Tangas and Gubon and our girls visit again. The new guy. I look my camera, I am my sevens. John John, Ungizuida continue to tell Usa, Nibutile, Lele, Lona, Lay iPhone, but he a I think say con. I got check. Okay. Mm, I got check. And for the latest one, my benefits are me laum dana. Eh. Hmm. I got check. But in Zakala, uskumbuz anko kulet. I will also advise. I will go quickly. No matter. I. Lendo e tu yam. Yeah, Yes. <laughs> okay, keep well. Thanks. <coughs> sure, sure. Bye, Bra King. <laughs>